0: Hello everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Girls One Book podcast. This is another short stories edition. So the last one the last time you heard us a couple of weeks ago we were talking about all of the books that we'd read together because we'd had a lot of arcs to get through uh, in the month of July. That was that was July, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um goodness. The, all the months are it's one big blur in my head at the moment. Um so this week we're going to try and talk about quite a lot of the other books that we've read kind of individually some of which we have now both read. Yeah. Um some of some of which have been independent of each other. Um a couple of these are harking back to like June so testing our memories somewhat. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, we've got quite a few to get through, and I've rambled on already, so I'll shut up, Um, and Hannah can talk about her first one. Go!
1: Okay, Um, the first one is a book that was gifted to both of us, but I don't believe you've read it yet. It was... Not yet, ...gifted to us by Century Books, and it is Alias Emma by Ava Glass. I believe it's kind of the first in a series which we're going to follow this... Spy, Emma, make peace she's called um I it's a thriller, so I can't really give much plot wise away. What I will say is that I think I wrote that it was like enjoyable enough, passable, and easy to read, but the comparisons were of um James Bond and Killing Eve. Now, I haven't read the book the killing eve books but i've watched the tv show and i definitely did not get as much killing eve in this there wasn't the kind of humor the funniness the cleverness it felt like a female ripoff of james bond basically okay in a similar sense of that i was never really worried for her outcome because you know when you watch a james bond movie you know he's going to win in the end And I got that same kind of feeling. So I didn't really feel that on the edge of my seat danger at any point, which I quite like. I need that in a thriller to keep me excited. Um, So it it was an okay read, but nothing that I would kind of rant and rave about. There's the same kind of very swift romance that I was a bit meh about. And Emma as a main character was fine, but there wasn't really anything particularly likable okay. about her she was just a bit
0: blah um, okay fair enough I think I'm gonna I will read that I think it's one that I've been waiting for sometimes you do just want a nice easy read thriller type book yeah. um so I think I've been saving it for when I need that yeah. um so it sounds like yeah the kind of palette cleanser type
1: yeah I think it would be good for that the it's not super yeah. mentally taxing. You yeah. kind of know where it's going and you feel safe the whole way through, which I think if that's what you need, then that's great. But it definitely followed okay. the James Bond trope of a little bit of romance and that kind of, yeah. Got you. Okay. Cool. Um.
0: Well, my first one... Gosh, I don't, I don't even know... <laughs> It was so hard. I wrote my review on this a, a few weeks back. Um so this is The Dice Man um by Luke Reinhardt. Um I feel like I actually did quite a good job with my with my review. So if you haven't seen that, probably go, go to find it on our Instagram. you have to scroll down a little bit. Um but this one I was given uh by our very good friend Emma um bookmarked Beers um for my birthday last year. Um, and I'd managed to get round to reading it before my birthday this year. That was like my aim. I was going <laughs> to get it read before I had another birthday. Um, and holy moly, it's a weird book. <laughs> um, so The the Dice Man, I'll, I'll try and sort of briefly explain to to people who might not have come across it. I had never heard of this book before Emma sent it. Um, but it's an old book. I can't remember when's it. When was it published? It was first published in 1971. Okay. Um. So it's an old book. I can imagine it being incredibly shocking in 1971. Okay. It's shocking now. Like it. Yeah. There were definitely moments where I was reading and thinking, Oh, <laughs> what? What the hell is happening? Um. I I mostly listened to this one, and it was one of those ones where I had to like turn the volume down, because sometimes when I was sat in the car, listening to it, I was just like, I can't have other people hearing that I'm <laughs> listening to this. Um, but basically, um, it's written by Luke Reinhardt, who is the central character in this. So, um, the the author. It's not his real real name. So he's written it under the sort of guise of um yes. Luke Reinhardt, who's a psychiatrist, a husband and a father. Um, and he essentially decides that he wants to make his life a bit more interesting and uh live by the rules of the die. So every decision that he makes is decided by the die. Um and it the the first one uh is it occurs in a rape that's that's what results in the the first choice that he makes so this is quite early on in the book um it kind of sets you up for the the tone but it's it's kind of hard to it's it's funny it's like a tongue in it's tongue in cheek and i like i don't want to Make light any of the decisions that he makes because he doesn't make light of them either. But it, the tone is so it's so unique. Yeah, it's a really like it, it's apparently like a cult classic yeah. book, and it it basically is. He like starts a cult, essentially. Okay, so it's 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 so hard because it's like towing the line between a real life and fiction yeah and i think that's it got banned in several places because i think some people thought he was actually like serious but it's it's a really interesting study on uh humanity's decision making and like good versus evil and um like free will and all of that kind of stuff It's it's super interesting if you can hack it okay It's definitely not going to be for a lot of people. If you're remotely um, offended by anything, you won't be able to read it. Okay. (laughs) You need a pretty strong stomach to get get through some of it. But I'm really glad that I did read it and I found it, yeah, incredibly interesting.
1: It sounds right up my street. I love stuff like that that makes you really think about things and, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely sick and twisted enough for you. So, yeah, I think maybe maybe it should be something that um that that you that you maybe have a go at. I I don't know. What
1: was the audiobook like in terms of narration? I know sometimes because it makes such a difference, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Um. Good. Yeah. The, I think the the narrator was really good at being deadpan. Okay. Which is, I think he. Um, I think that was probably what helped me understand, like, the sarcasm, etc. Because his, his his sort of tone managed to convey, I think, what he, what the author was trying to get across. So, yeah, I, I do, I recommend as long as you don't mind people in the traffic next to you thinking, like, what the hell is she listening
1: to? I'm going to give it a go um okay i this one i feel like is a lot more wholesome my book next <laughs> we're going to a little bit yeah, of... that's not <laughs> wholesome at all we're going to a little bit of nonfiction. um i've got two non-fiction books which i'll rattle through quite quickly because they're quite similar um but basically in the last few weeks i have like massively like just struggled with my brain um mm-hmm. and i've made a kind of promise to read at least one non-fiction book a month. So the one that I picked up this month is No Such Thing As Normal by Bryony Gordon. I've had it on my shelf for quite a while. I picked it up just in the supermarket. um, And I am very pleased that I decided to read it this month because it was incredibly useful. Um, Good. It's a very practical advice on dealing with mental health, um, which I think... There's a lot of mental health books out there that are a little bit airy-fairy and this is the opposite to that. This is real, actual, practical tips. She has struggled with her mental health for many, many years and has had multiple diagnoses, some which she's found it harder to get the actual diagnoses than others. But the overriding theme of it is this acceptance within society of mental health being as important and valid as physical health and feeling all it's all about making the reader feel like it is perfectly normal to not be normal (laughs) and to have a brain that doesn't work the same as everybody else's. And that asking for help with that equally is normal. Um, It's super easy to read. It's in uh, 10 chapters. None of them are more than kind of 20 pages long. And she writes in the beginning that it's written written, to be able to dip in and out of it you don't have yeah. to read it start to finish because she understands that sometimes it's quite hard to do that if you're in a in a bad headspace um and it was written during the first lockdown or just at the end of the first lockdown at a point okay. um where the author had kind of thought all of these that she's felt anxiety for however many years and through lockdown, a lot of other people who hadn't really struggled with their mental health started feeling some of those same things that she'd been dealing with and living with for so long. And it's this kind of understanding that really there's that ability in everybody to feel these things. It's just mm. your life circumstances that brings them to the fore sometimes. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of fact and honesty about the state of the mental health system in the uk um the lack of funding and the lack of support that there is and therefore the need for practical tips for people to deal with things um yeah okay yeah it's really accessible really kind of plain speaking not preachy at all i really really enjoyed it and i read it in like a day or two at a time when my brain was not really working so that says a lot that that i could still read it (laughs)
0: Good. Um, Yeah, sounds like a a really practical and useful
1: little book. Yeah, yeah, really good one. Um, Good. And the other one I don't have a copy of because I borrowed it from my little sister, um, which is quite an old book, I think. It's called Attached by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel S. F. Heller. I wasn't sure what was a a medical initial that I had to say, and what was not. Um, I didn't want to get it wrong. You know, when people have like really worked for stuff, I was like, right, it's doctor. Um, Yeah. And it was just a really interesting little book about studying attachment theory, which is something which I'd not really delved into before. But it's the idea that everyone, as children, forms their kind of attachment style. So there's three attachment styles, which is. Um, anxious avoidant and secure and they're kind of formed in those important relationships parentally when you're a child and then carried through as an adult and it's quite hard to live with people of different attachment styles so it's got kind of tips and tricks in working out how you can communicate between those two attachment styles um okay it was very interesting. I'm really big into like analyzing why my brain works the way that it does. And this was a really interesting <laughs> delve into it. There's like quizzes to work out what your attachment style is. And okay, and it's weird when you start to kind of really analyze it, you go, oh yes, I do that. And that's absolutely me. And absolutely, I can change that and work on it. And I think there's a level of control that I feel good about knowing how to fix it almost it's kind of giving Mm. that power back um so I would really recommend that for anyone that struggles with kind of communication of how they feel um yeah (laughs) so yeah two little little mental health books that have really helped me in the last month so that was my nonfiction corner great thank you um okay well my next ones
0: are names (laughs) this is my little name corner <laughs> um so the, the, the I've definitely been leaning towards more like character driven books um recently and so both of these are, are are yeah some some of those so the first one was uh very much a bookstagram made me buy it um and it's a very pretty book and it's Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellers. Um, which is a very, very pretty little yeah. book. Well, quite, quite a big <laughs> book, to be honest. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to make of this one, simply because it's kind of, it's normal people-esque in that it's, I mean, it centers around a, a couple of people who aren't necessarily very likable. Not loads happens. Um, but I think the key thing that, there were, there were two aspects that I really enjoyed with this book so obviously Cleo Cleo and Frank are the central protagonists but um I didn't particularly like either of them Frank more so than Cleo Cleo she yeah she annoys me from quite early <laughs> on um but um it has a lot more um depth and detail uh, surrounding the the characters that um peripheral characters basically um and so there's certain chapters from like different characters points of view so it's not just Cleo and Frank that we're sort of honed in on they're the they're sort of the the reason why all of these people are in each other's lives um but I really enjoyed that and I really enjoyed the writing style okay so I think the, the thing that I got hung up on early doors with normal people was the writing style. And then the fact that not much happened and I didn't really like the people. Yeah. Um, so I've discovered in the last, yeah, the last month, because I, I think that that almost made me think um, I these kind of stories aren't for me. Yeah. Like where where it is just character driven and there isn't great deal going on but through like the paper palace more of that later and this and the next one that i'm going to talk about i'm i'm really into like, a big character driven phase of my reading life i think um yeah i'd be really interested to see what you think of this because i i do think you'd really enjoy the writing
1: yeah. i read your review and immediately put it on my list and was like that sounds yeah. like something i'm going to have to read
0: yeah i i I don't know what you'll think about it. Um, which is why I want you to read yeah. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Like, the first bit, I was just like, oh, I'm not sure. But as it started almost exploring their world a little bit more, I got more and more invested yeah. in it. And it, it became... Um, it wasn't sort of all-consuming for me like Paper Palace was, but I couldn't wait to hear okay. more, so it was one that that really yeah it 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 got me um so I definitely I do recommend it it won't be for everybody if you don't like character driven stuff then steer clear but um yeah really enjoyed and i I'll be really interested to see what Coco Mellor's writes next because i I loved her writing right. um so yeah that that was good then the next one and this was sent to us. Um, who's it sent by Uh, it was a Hamish Hamilton one um, and this was published gosh I don't even know now Uh, earlier this year (laughs) a couple of of months ago maybe Um, but uh, this is Ruth and Penn by Emily Pine um, who's an Irish author who I had never come across before um, but she has a Her first publication was a collection of personal essays, which um, did very well. It's called uh, Notes to Self. um, And I've put it on my list because I really want to read it. Um, I loved this one. Um, It's short-ish. It's over the uh, space of one day in Dublin in 2019. We follow Ruth, who's like a... I'm not quite sure what age she was, but like 30s, 40s, like married... Um, and then a teenager, Pen, okay. um, who's, uh, so Ruth's basically in a bit of a rubbishy marriage situation, struggling, um, with fertility issues, um, and yeah, sort of communication has broken down in her relationship. Penn, on the other hand, is, uh, a teenager who's, um, neurodiverse um and she it is struggling with her sexuality. Um, so they're two quite different characters. I grew to love both of them very, very quickly. Right. Uh, I thought that the writing was brilliant in this as well, actually. It's very different, but um it really yeah got got to sort of the crux of things really quickly and yeah given that it's not it's not a massive book it's like 250 pages just less than um I really felt like immersed in their world it's 24 hours in yeah yeah 250 pages but I I felt like I was with them for a lot longer um and yeah I feel like I've not really seen much of this one at all and I I would I would like people to read it because I I really really enjoyed it um and it's Yeah, really, it's quite sort of raw and upsetting in places. There's trigger warnings sort of regarding like um, miscarriage in particular that probably need to be, yeah, put in place because some of it's not easy to read. Um, But I think there's lots of important messages in there, and they're, in in my opinion, they were addressed really well. Um, And the two characters, they do sort of, cross over very briefly but i i liked the way that that it was essentially two different independent stories that slightly touched each other and then made their own way um but yeah
1: really enjoyed it so that's that ruth and pen sounds great good good book well you you touched upon this um and this is kind of my catch-up episode basically a lot of the books i've read are ones that you've already read and talked about so i'll be kind of brief about it (laughs) but there's no way that i was going to not bring up the paper palace again having finally read it um and absolutely loved it loved it even more than i loved crawdads which i didn't think was possible (laughs) um and i think it's that same similar it's the character study. It had everything yeah. that I loved. I need someone to tell me what this genre is, right? Character yeah. study, great characters, great location, really immersive, um, like a hark back to the past and then we find out the rest of the story. That's yeah. all of those things in a little in a little cauldron and mixed together is the perfect concoction of a book for me. Um, yeah. I think the thing which maybe just tip this over the edge for me is that I could connect with the main character just that little bit more um Elle as a as a mum and that she's in a in a stage of her life that I'm kind of in the the thing Mm. which I think Emma had commented on my um review that she really liked how we'd all got different things from the book and the thing which really just got me was this mother-son teenage-son relationship yeah because my eldest is just nearly 15 and is doing all of those eye rolly you're the most embarrassing and i hate you kind of things <laughs> and i i read this um and had maybe had a glass of wine and like called him and left him like a rambly voicemail <laughs> going i'm reading oh, this God. book and it's all about a mom and a son and i love you very much <laughs> and he didn't respond of course <laughs> because yeah. i'm so embarrassing but um
0: yeah. Yeah. You were illustrating your point well there, weren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. The, the role of embarrassing mum. You're like, oh, I must I just, call him and tell him.
1: <laughs> it felt so real, everything that yeah. she wrote about, yeah. and there was the obviously she's not she's a flawed character. There's elements mm-hmm. of infidelity and maybe bad decision making. But I also understood why she made those decisions and yeah. why she needed to, in order to know what she actually wanted. Um, yeah, and I Same. oh, I just loved her, and I loved yeah. Peter, her husband. I just loved the whole thing. I loved her mum, everybody. I loved it all. Yeah, yeah me too. Um,
0: yeah, I, I I can't find fault with it. I know a lot of people have, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still top of the pile for me. Yeah, um, it was so I've good. Had a, I've had a couple that have come clo- cl- closer, um, but yeah, I, it's, it's a great book. We are Paper Palace fans yeah. over here. I don't know so. what you'd
1: call that genre, because obviously it's it's contemporary fiction because it's written like now but yeah. it is the element of there being some kind of nostalgia and a and mm. a memory and a story to be told yeah but it's also very much that the location is a character in those books as yeah. much as the people are i oh, i loved it so much secrets i like secrets yeah <laughs> and i'm um, deep relationships all of that I need I'm gonna come up with a name it's for it. I don't know what it's called. Contemporary
0: Contemporary Historical Location Fiction.
1: C H L F Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <C-H-L-F>.
0: yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. So there you go, that's that's our new favourite genre. That's I would happily just read that kind of thing all day, to be honest. Uh next one was a little joint read that we did, mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. it? Um another one. I actually don't know where i've put my copy of it i think it must be downstairs Uh, maybe oh i was taking a picture of it that's why it's downstairs i've got it um lovely so this is last time we met by emily horton uh this was out this no it was out a couple of weeks ago but we had our blog tour date this week that's what happened there you go um and it's a bit of a summer romance Light chick lit read yeah. uh, that made me cry. Weirdly, <laughs> we found it—the one book that made Rhiannon cry. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, I, I think it was because I wasn't expecting it from like a lit book, and it's basically there's an old lady in it who's a complete legend, and and that that was what yeah. did it for Lulled me. you
1: into a false sense of security. Oh yeah, and then, I am um, yeah. I th- The word I used I, when I've written my notes actually was unexpected. I unexpectedly yeah. enjoyed this. Um, Good. Because it's not really my thing, chick lit, kind of an easy yeah. read. I think The Sunshine definitely helped. I read this mm-hmm. in that ridiculous heat wave. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this is your kind of classic friends to lovers with a little bit of a fight along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the main characters, Eleanor and Finn, are childhood friends who make a promise to each other that if they are single at the age of 35, they will mm. marry each other. Um, and no surprise, they find themselves single at the age of 35. And are they going to honour this contract made 20-something years ago, is the question. Yeah, I want to know
0: is are there any books that belong to this sort of genre where they where they don't end up together <laughs> where it all goes terribly wrong friends to enemies <laughs> that's the trip friends to yeah or friend yeah or friends to well this kind of was friends to enemies to lovers to but then what if what if something else had gone terribly wrong yeah that would be a different genre though, wouldn't
1: it? That would Yeah. Probably. I did write. It was it was predictable. I Oh absolutely. I liked their friendship and their relationship, but I at no point didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the book. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, yeah, that's yeah.
0: I think it's it was the um again, like the peripheral characters that, that did it for me. Yeah um like the scenes in the the old folks home i think was like absolutely the best the best bit i thought I, i i i really enjoyed it i whizzed through it and yeah i think it had some hidden depths to it that that made it better than some other books of its type yes yeah. I would agree
1: with that. Yeah, I think it's worth a read. It's not going to, like, yeah. change your life, but it was a nice, cute little read. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it
0: made me cry a tiny <laughs> bit. Not sobbing, just a slightly wet eye. <laughs> so.
1: Well, the um the next one that I'm going to talk about, I think I fully expected to sob based on your review. And mm. I really enjoyed it, but I didn't cry. And this was Betty by Tiffany McDaniel. I'm very oh late God. to this party. We've, we've broken cry. We <laughs> no, do you know what's wrong what it, with you? <laughs> I think it's because actually, I found it a really happy book.
0: Yeah, same. Like this is this is the thing. Like, I, so many people have said that it like broke them in two. But yeah, like there was so much positivity in yeah. there. Like I can see what what people found sad about it yeah but anyway I mean
1: that's basically what I wrote down was that yeah there was a lot of grief and loss within the book which Mm -hmm. was very sad but the overwhelming feeling that I had was just one of happiness and of love so that's what kind of just kept me rolling through it um yeah so again you've talked about this a long long time ago when you read it last year Mm -hmm. um but the the kind of over overriding theme of it is family and um particularly father daughter relationship yeah. and relationship between sisters i also really enjoyed yeah i thought the thing which i really liked was the understanding of the family that all children are different and that they all needed different things they needed different they needed love in different ways and i think mm. that was a really nice thing to show um the relationship between Betty and her dad, I just loved. I It was yeah. so beautiful. And I kept almost, I think maybe because I'd hyped it up in my head as being like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a devastating book. So I kept thinking, mm. oh, this is too good to be true. There's something is going to be wrong with this. There's something going to be wrong with her dad. He's not going to be this Really great character that I think he is, and all the way along, he just kept being great and lovely. And I was like, Oh, actually, that's what I need. I just need this happy little relationship to just stay. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing touched upon that we've kind of just said about Paper Palace, the location descriptions again, I think were really interesting for me to drop you into the place that they were, the house that they lived in, all of that. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really well written book is it her first book yeah i think so but yeah it was well crafted really well written great characters great location and even like the little snippets of the native american culture and influence as well i yeah. thought was really interesting i, I liked yeah. it i loved it good i'm glad i'm glad you finally got around to it <laughs> Well, enough. I'd kept. I mean, th- I, so I read it with um, our friend Fran, who is a literary lass on Instagram, and we'd both said the same thing that we'd put it off almost because it was a nervous thing of, oh my goodness, this is a, it's going to break me, and actually, yeah. both of us found it really uplifting and happy. So I don't know what we were worried yeah. about.
0: No, oh well, um, it's good that we could take take the positives, yeah, from it. Um, Okay, so the next one that I read, again, pre- pretty sad book. <laughs> um, this one is A Thousand Splendid Suns uh, by Khaled Horseni. Um, And I read uh, The Kite Runner ages ago, um, like years and years and years ago. Um, if I'm being honest, I can't really remember it, but I remember... Loving it at the time, and I remember like loving the setting, and I feel like I I learned a lot. Um, and this had the same sort of I had the same sort of reaction to it. Have Have you read any of these ones? No, but okay. Um, because I feel like it's one of for for a while. The kite runner was everywhere. Yeah. I think, and that's probably when I read it. To be that's honest, that's probably why um, I didn't read it. Because, <laughs> because maybe. I go, well, don't want to do what everyone else is doing. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's it's historical fiction set in, well, yeah, it's historical fiction set in Afghanistan and very much based on the real events that have transpired right. throughout the last few decades in Afghanistan. And um, there was, there's a lot of the, the sort of history things that I didn't really know about um and all of the like different invasions
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah so i feel like I, I i learned a lot from it um it's centered around two women i think the female characters were written impeccably well um cuz sometimes when it's a, a male author you kind of get a bit like oh, I don't think that feels right but he nailed yeah. it like I I feel like the um so basically Mariam is uh the older um character although we we start off with her in in her younger years and then we like fast forward okay. basically and Layla is is a younger um girl and they end up living together and they're sort of through a series of events um and their relationship is just a fascinating one again this is a this is one that i actually listened to to this one um and this there was a moment in this which almost got me um but yeah sort of the descriptions of the things that they like the women in general had had to have to still face in Afghanistan and um how they sort of band together and there is there is hope in this book but gosh it's pretty hard to come right. by <laughs> um and there's some pretty horrific men in there yeah um not all of them not all of them but yeah there's a lot of depressing things (laughs) just because you know that it goes on it went on and yeah there's there's still a lot of work to be done but yeah it was a a really a really great book um and i so there's another one by him isn't there there's and the mountains echoed i want to read that one as well um but yeah i recom i really recommend it it's not an easy read it's not an easy read in any any sense at all right Um, but it's a very beautiful read and the relationship between the women in particular i found to be um yeah really touching really really nice
1: to to read about so yeah okay i'll add it to my list never ending (laughs) it just gets bigger and bigger um Sorry. <laughs> well I've got another kind of depressing book um to talk oh. about now so it feels like a really miserable episode um it is a bit yeah it's kind of a depressing book but also an in- incredibly interesting book okay. so we're back on the train of me being a a little music fan because I have no musical mm. talent myself um and this is a memoir written by ian winwood it's called bodies so ian winwood um was a writer for Kerrang! magazine which is a magazine that i subscribed to as a child teenager um so yeah it's a memoir of sorts which really kind of focuses on his insight into the music industry um, particularly the rock and alternative music industry and the way that it enables and um, sometimes even promotes dysfunctional, destructive and pretty dangerous behaviour. Um, mm-hmm. It's the, the the main shocking story within his memoir is um, he tells of how he was sent to interview this up-and-coming rock and roll pop-punk band in 2000, um, recognised their potential, struck up a friendship with them and kind of followed them through the years, interviewing them backwards and forwards and going backstage on tour. Um, And the lead singer kind of took a turn for the worse and started to get into drugs and really severe mental illness and... Ended up in probably the most horrific story you will hear of within the music industry because the band was Lost Profits. So, oh, god, right? <laughs> this is yes. a really interesting insight. He had that front line
0: view yeah. of how, oh, my god, I don't know if I could read
1: about it. Well, that. <laughs> no, so there's no, it's not detailed in that sense. There's okay, no good. detail Whew. about that. But the detail is okay. how um, the ridiculous touring schedules, the enabling of drug addictions, the yes people that yeah. are all surrounding. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the most shocking of stories. But there's also the Kurt Cobain's, the the suicides, the all of that is yeah. enabled certainly not helped by the way that the music industry just churns out these people spits them yeah. out and then abandons them when they're no longer making money for them. Um, mm-hmm. Very interesting read, but yes, very depressing. I think positive in a way that it's written down, which means that there's an acknowledgement of it. And I do think that it seems like people's mental health is definitely being more um, considered in the music industry. Um, But yeah, the insight that he has from his time in journalism at that time kind of late 90s onwards um it's it's really really interesting and he struggled with drug addiction himself so he details that kind of side of things and how it wasn't necessarily a really good place for him to be in either yeah um yeah yeah that sounds really
0: interesting i think i should read that yes um I don't think the music industry particularly is changing, but I think society in general yeah. is more challenging Yes, uh, towards that. So I think there are a lot of musicians who are taking it upon themselves to make sure that they are looking after themselves. Yeah. yeah. Whether that means letting down record companies or fans even... I think there's a lot more of that going on um, than yeah. than there ever would have been allowed before. But I think that's societal change rather than industry, industry yeah. change. Yeah. yeah. You,
1: well, you'd really, um, really enjoy this book, I think. Yeah. Because it's things like even you consider the mental toll that it takes, which you'll know being away from family and friends. Obviously, yeah. you do you work away so much but these long tours where they go away to america for three months of months the year and, months on end, and of yeah. course you've not got your normal support system you're missing no. missing people's birthdays and big days and things yeah all of that takes a mental toll and obviously there are other things in play that that lead to the behavior those really really bad behaviors not not everybody has that underlying issue as well mm. but but the the understanding that this is an industry which is really damaged is, yeah. and he writes very well because he's a writer, he's done it for his entire career. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really interesting book.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm going to put it on my list. Yay! So, thanks. Get ready to be depressed. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, my next one is not depressing, yeah. Um, and but I feel like I've read. Th- I was like, have I talked about this before? Because I feel like I read it ages ago. But I don't think I have. No, you Did haven't. I? No, okay. Um, so this one's Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton, which I have had on my list for so long. And I finally got round to purchasing it and reading it. Um, and I feel like I don't need to say anything about it, to be honest, because been around for ages and a lot of people have talked about it have you read it tell me so you 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 read you read ghosts didn't you which was dolly Alderton's um novel debut novel but this is her memoir um and it's basically just a millennial centric memoir of the many pitfalls of dating life um loads of things that i could relate to because so by the time period that she was talking about all of those, the different um, s- pop culture references right. um, they were all very much our time so okay. if you are sort of 30 to 35 in particular I think this will resonate with you massively because you are going to be the exact same age as her right. um, so yeah, all of that kind of throwback i really enjoyed she's very funny I, I i wrote in my review i'm a i'm a serial long-term relationshiper. so i don't really have anything in common with like the dating game yeah. but i very much enjoyed listening to her stories um of disasters etc right. yeah she writes in it about everything in such a accessible and and endearing way um, but in particular, I think the thing that I um, almost surprised me was the the platonic relationships that she talked about, like her her friendships um, over the years, how things changed, how people grew apart, people grew together. Like it, changing nature of female friendship is very much addressed here, and the the way she talks about that, I really connected with. Okay um so yeah i think even if i think she's it's been accused of being quite a sort of middle class millennial book it's not going to be as relatable for everybody Mm -hmm. um but for a certain demographic of us i think there's a lot in here that yeah you'll will resonate um but yeah i really enjoyed it and uh i definitely want to read more
1: by her yeah see because yeah. i wasn't really sure i didn't enjoy ghosts and it was not because of the writing i enjoyed the writing it was more just mm. that that was very much a um an online dating kind of story which is something mm. that i didn't really connect with um yeah but i'd be interested to read this one because i did like her writing style in ghosts i just yeah. didn't really get kind of the story that was that was yeah. going on um so yeah maybe I'll that might be something that I need to cheer me up a little bit between all of my depressing yeah it's
0: it's funny it yeah she she yeah she is a a funny lady and she 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 writes comedy well um so yeah that's my that's my little bit of uh fun (laughs) for the
1: day (laughs) because everything else has been pretty (laughs) like
0: doom and gloom for sure but yeah
1: well my last one is um it isn't doom and gloom it's like a it's a Quirky is what I would say that my last one is. Okay. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it, partly because I read it a while ago and I can't really remember, and Fair partly enough. because it's a sequel to a book which I've already read and talked about. So this is Before the Coffee Gets Cold, hyphen Tales from the Cafe by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. Um, and it is the sequel to Before the Coffee Gets Cold. I uh, I don't know that I needed a sequel to Before the Coffee Gets. Okay. I enjoyed it. Mm. But um there is only so many different stories that you can have when you can only time travel within a very short window of time in a very specific place. Yeah. So I do kind of feel like the first one is worth a read the second one maybe not so much. Um okay. It's translated from Japanese, which I always enjoy because I think there's a certain lyricism to that translated fiction that I think is really nice. I liked it, but I don't know that I needed it. Yeah, it was very similar to the first one. There was a little bit less explanation of how it works, the cafe, the time travelling. So I felt like you kind of got thrown straight into the stories. But the... I mean, so I'll just very quickly detail back over. The idea is is that you can only time travel to the cafe, and you can only time travel on a day when you know the person you want to speak to is going to be there. You have to finish your journey before the coffee gets cold, so you've got what maximum an hour to. Mm. You can't change anything. You can't do anything that has any impact. So you can only have a conversation, really. And okay. Yeah, I didn't think there was very much more from the second book. So, okay. I recommend the first but not necessarily the second. Fair enough. Fair assessment.
0: Um and then my my last one is also a bit of translated fiction. What is it this month? Women in translation. Yes. That's that's this month, isn't it? So this is why I picked I picked this one up. Also, I was meant to read it a couple of months ago and didn't get around to it. So, <laughs> Um, this one I picked up in Waterstones on a bit of a whim uh, a little while ago. Uh, reasons were threefold. Um, one was it was in the translated fiction section, and I like dipping into like the the shorter the dinky books, um, like the Japanese translated etc. Um, second reason was it's purple, um, and the third reason is the translation was done by the same person that translated um, Kim Jung. Uh, born nineteen eighty two, which I really enjoyed reading last year. Mm. So this is um, translated Korean fiction. It's concerning my daughter by Kim he, uh, Kim Hee Jin, um, and it's. I it, so hard. I haven't written my review on this yet, um, and I, I need to still sort of collect my thoughts on it. Um, so it's like I say, it's only a short book. It's uh, one hundred and sixty three pages. Um, so nice and dinky, but as with pretty much all of these translated fiction books that I've read thus far, there's so much in it, um, like in particular comparing it to like uh, Kim Jong-born 1982, like it's a completely different thing that we're talking about almost, but um, the gravity of, of the subjects tackled, it's Immense, and somehow it was tackled in a really successful way. Like it really made me think. Um, so the the general premise is that it's it's told from the uh, point of view of a mother who is struggling to accept her daughter's sexuality. Her her daughter, through a series of events, ends up coming to live with her, with um, the daughter's partner as well right um so the the daughter has this girlfriend who she's been with for seven years i think it is um and the story is kind of about the mother ac- coming to accept or not accept her daughter's sexuality the way that society views homosexuality etc in Korea mm-hmm. is very much talked about there's another uh sort of line of the story is that this this mother is she's a carer um she works in a in a care home with a very intelligent her her charge is uh basically a very intelligent lady who um has alzheimer's and who's really really poorly and basically on on death's door um but so there's quite graphic descriptions of of that and the uh how how the elderly are treated or ill-treated in Korea, and how um, the, the mother the mother is trying to sort of make a change in that area. That um, like grief comes into it. Like there's just so much stuff yeah. in such a short book. It's it's really hard to talk about it, but it it made me think about so many things. Um, and yeah, I've, there's loads of bits that I've like tapped um so yeah there's just it's it says here this is good uh in concerning my daughter um the author lays bare our most universal fears on aging death and isolation to offer finally a pay to love in all its forms so yeah love aging death sexuality isolation like all of those things Squashed into in that tiny little yeah. book, um, but it doesn't feel like rushed or things are crowbarred in. Right, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, would definitely read more from from that author. Is
1: it set in um, modern modern day Korea? Yeah. Well, I, di- I don't think it was. I don't think it's dated. Right. Okay.
0: Um, not that I could. Hell, um, but yeah, I think it was published in like 2017. Okay, so yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, so yeah, fascinating little book. Um, and yeah, it was kind of m- more. There was more to get your teeth stuck into than I thought that was going to. Yeah. Be. Um, but yeah, sounds great. That's my last one. Perfect. Well, we got through a mountain there. We did. Yeah. I'm. Th- there were quite a few books that I have omitted because there were too many, and um, quite frankly, I think we would have been here for about two hours. <laughs> so maybe I'll pop those in. We can do a little extra future episode. Um, and then there's a couple of books that I've finished recently. Like this morning, I finished Lessons in Chemistry. So we're going to have to talk about that.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I have to talk about that. I've got I've got lots to say. Okay. I think I've got lots to say. I might not have much to say actually, <laughs> but I've got opinions. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's been a good couple of reading months. Like even though I was crazy busy in June and July, I got quite a lot done in in my driving time. I listened to quite a few. Yeah. And then in this month I've read quite a lot of physical books, which has been nice actually. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Kept kept ticking along. Not managed to record quite as on the regular. This week it was due to a technical glitch, but we finally got it. Hopefully, if you hear this, then we got it sorted.
1: <laughs> if not, we've just wasted an hour.
0: <laughs> no, we had a lovely talk, but no one's going to know about it. Um, ho- hopefully, fingers crossed, everything here worked and you can hear us. And I don't sound like a robot um, and... It all worked nicely.
1: So the next time you hear us, we will be just discussing one book back to a featured read. Have we decided on it? Yes. Yes. The School for Good Mothers. (laughs) She says, hopefully, because if you'd have said (laughs) no, I'd have been devastated. Um, Yes, Ah, ah. The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. So that will be our next episode, hopefully in about two weeks' time. Um, Yes. We will... We'll drop things on Instagram to let you know. We need
0: to cram it in before August ends for our August read. Featured Otherwise, read. we've not done a featured
1: read. So okay. Well, if you we'll want, to, it out. if you want to read the School for Good Mothers with us in August, drop us a message. Start now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Drop everything and start now. Okey doke. Um, yeah. Right, we better go and read. Re- better go and read it. Yeah. Quick. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we'll speak at you later. Maybe in a week. I think we'll see how we go (laughs) thanks for listening yeah bye Bye, guys guys. hi there thank you so much for listening to two girls one book podcast if you like what you heard we would love for you to like follow rate subscribe in fact just all, all that good stuff please would be fantastic You can also find us on Instagram at twogirlsonebookpod, so come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us next time.